says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him, and when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, canst thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed, and he straightly charged him, and, and forthwith sent him away. And said unto him, is the only time, I would like it one other time, where Jesus says, don't tell people about what he's been doing. Now he tells us how to go and preach the gospel. But he said unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And he said, hey, you know what, let's go do this, you know, do the sacrifice, and as a testimony to the priest so they know what has happened. But then we see he did not listen. He said, but he went out and began to publish it much, and the blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. And so, while we might have to keep on encouraging people, tell people about you getting saved, invite them to church, this man was told, don't tell anybody anything. But he could not help but tell everybody about the work that Jesus had done in him. Um, that's not going to be the focus of the message here, but we see that Jesus' ministry was busy. And that in this time, he couldn't even go in the city without crowds coming. And so would seek after desert places at times so he could find solitude, but people would even find him there. But we want to talk about a solitary place um, this morning. And it's important at times to find a time, a place of solitude. As, as we see in verse 35, um, that in the morning when Jesus woke up um, um, be, before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. That he went to find time alone to spend um, with the Father. Now Jesus had been busy, you know, he was just recently baptized. Um, the Spirit then led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now the Bible tells us that God tempts us not to do evil, that God does not entice us to do evil. But yet the Bible says the Spirit led Jesus to be tempted of the devil. How do we reconcile that? Well, I believe the answer is that this wasn't um, the Spirit trying to lead him to the devil to entice him to sin as far as from the Holy Spirit's standpoint. But the Spirit leading them to be tempted of the devil to show that the Christ 
not sin. That not only would he not sin, but that he was impeccable and could not sin. And it was to show the world that he was the perfect son of God. We see he takes time and preaches near the sea of Yahweh. He meets up with Peter, Andrew, and James, and John, and compelled them to come, and that, that they followed after him. Um, he then went to Capernaum to preach, and he astonished everyone with the authority that he spoke, and that he had power over the devils, that they obey him, and, and, and even the seas and the storm. Um, he went to Simon's house and healed um, Simon's wife's mother. People from all over the city came to the door, and he healed many that were sick, those with diseases. He cast out more devils. And so you contemplate the demands that are placed on Jesus' life as a human, as being in the flesh, that not only did he come to seek and to save that which was lost, but he was continually sought out by the multitudes. Naturally, once you heal a blind man and cleanse the leper, you're pretty much going to be high on demand. People are going to want to know uh, more about you. And, and then they see more miracles, the feeding of the thousands from basically a lunchbox. He's in high demand. Jesus could have spent all day, every day, and pulled frequent all-nighters to meet the expectations of others, and he still would have had more to do than could be completed in a lifetime. So how did Jesus determine what should have his attention each day? How did he replenish himself so he could give freely to the needs of others? See, Jesus found a solitude place. He went somewhere. He often uh, would go either to the mountains or go to the, in the wilderness somewhere. He, and he would spend time in prayer to the Father. And likewise, we must beware of pride, which places productivity above prayer and worship. We have been conditioned to believe that our value depends on our productivity. We often think of ourselves so, sometimes highly that we assume that things around us will fall apart if we pause our activity too long to spend time with the Lord. Who has time to think about God when there is so much to do? It's sometimes our mindset, even if unintentional. I you know there are so many things in life where it craves our attention and, and we're in a rush and we're quick to do it. At the expense of sometimes avoiding a quiet time of prayer. So we see like, hey, here we're producing something. But here we're just praying. And sometimes maybe wonder, is God even listening? Or are we just accidentally at times? Don't give priority to it. But we're going to be less productive if we're focusing on working just in our flesh, everything we have to do, instead of being refueled by our Heavenly Father. Um, the only way to discern what really matters most, really, is to spend time with the Father. It's in these moments that God helps us prioritize our day. And when we listen for His direction, when we're not just seeking what we want to do, but what does God want us to do? 
The answer to overload is not always trying harder, but to ask God for the strength. Ask God for the wisdom and how to steward our time. And sometimes to let other things fall. Charles Spurgeon said, this is a Baptist preacher in England in the 1800s, he goes, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. Teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. That the power is in the prayer. We can preach all day, but if the Spirit is not behind it, if we're not curved full, then it could come on deaf ears. It could be empty-handed. You know, some preachers prepare sermons because they have to say something, and there's times I'm guilty of that. You know, you prepare a message, yet Sunday is always coming. But something we all should work on, including myself, is to be like those who, are, those who walk with God do so, because, or those who walk with God do so because they have something to say. That the preachers, they have something to say because they're walking with God. Not because they're simply trying to prepare a sermon. But because they've already been walking with God. God's child can conquer anything by prayer. It, it is, it is any wonder that Satan does his utmost to snatch that weapon from the Christian or to hinder him in the use of it. That's said by Andrew Murray. Um, Jesus called upon um, the Father early in the morning. We see that he is putting the Father first, his relationship with the Heavenly Father, a priority, getting up in the morning, early, even before it was day, to have a quiet time with the Lord. And it can be difficult. Often it's easier to get up for a class to go to school or have to get to work, and it's easier to get up for those things because we have to be there. Our attendance is uh, is needed at school or at work or we don't get paid, and so we get up for those things. But how early sometimes it can be for us to get up early simply to spend some time in prayer. And one thing, you know what, to... Not be guilty of like I am a lot of times. You know, I tell my wife, tell my kids, oh, I want to spend time in prayer, and I do, but then I fall back asleep. You know, if you say that that is a cure, um, if you have trouble sleeping at night, just start praying, and Satan will put you to sleep, um, and so you can get some sleep. Um, not that's not sound theology or anything. But um, I just heard that as a joke before. Now, you know, if you can't sleep at night, pray, and the devil will put you to sleep. But no, we need to make sure that we get up and get busy. You know, sometimes praying immediately, right when we wake up, but still in bed, you might fall back asleep. But if you want to get up, get ready, get dressed, um, and, and then go and find a quiet place to spend time in prayer. Psalm 63, 1 says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. We see this psalmist had the heart to seek God early, and um, he who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. 
is another main input. For some people, mornings might not work best. Okay, you know, I work overnight. Okay, so I enjoy um, going to sleep um, in the morning if, if I could get to it. But find a time that will work best for you to spend time in prayer. And the Bible, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Whether, in a way, be an attitude, a mindset of prayer. That, you know, when you pray, you know, it doesn't mean you always have to get down on the knees, bow down and pray. Which I believe those are helpful, you know, to be in a posture of worship. But you could also be praying while you're driving down the freeway. You know, keep that connection open of speaking to God, of enjoying, communicating with Him. Um, Psalm 55, 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. And understand this key here. Jesus found a solitary place. Elsewhere in Scripture, um, the people were coming out um, um, by the thousands after Jesus and the apostles. And Jesus tells his apostles, Hey, let's come apart for a while. Let's come apart and go pray. Because if we don't come apart, we will come apart. Need a set time where we come apart to spend time in prayer so we are not falling all apart. And sometimes that means finding a solitary place. You will get men who walk with God in Genesis 21 33. Abraham planted a grove of um, a tamarisk tree, and he would have that be a place that he would go and sit under the tree and spend time with God. We see Isaac went out to meditate in the field at evening time in Genesis 24 63. That he went in a quiet place outdoors to spend time with the Lord. Solitude was a constant part of Moses' life. We see his first encounter with God at the burning bush. Um, and it was one of solitude. He alone saw the bush and heard a voice. When he received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, he spent 40 days alone with God. The tent of presence in which he met daily with God was also a place set apart to be alone with God. In the end of his life, he ascended alone to a mountain to get a glimpse of the promised land, Israel, and then to pass on to the other side of death and to be with the Lord. We see the fruits of solitude in David as he wrote psalms of intense feeling and deep thought and faith. And you read the psalms, some of them are very raw. They'll even show those emotions of depression, emotions of hurt, um, um, emotions of anger, even, is that you are really getting a glimpse of his life and him crying out to God. And then you see times of peace and comfort in his prayer. In Acts 10.9, we see that Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. We see Daniel in Daniel 6.10. That he had a window that he would open that would face Jerusalem and he would pray to the Lord alone. And then when they outlawed it, he continued to do it. He wasn't praying, uh, he wasn't praying with the intention to be an outlaw, 
You know, during the COVID lockdowns, you know, there were some Christians that never went to church that were like, no, we're going to be fine. We're going to go to church. And some of that was just a heart of what we just want to rebel against authorities. But for some Christians, it was, you know, we're just doing what we always kept doing. You know what? That we're not going to stay locked up in our homes. You know, I understand the very beginning, it was like, hey, no one knew too much. A lot of people had their doubts. But just to be safe, we closed down for a couple of months, and they were like, okay, you know what? Other things um, that are sinful are opening up. You know what? We are going to have church. You know, we weren't seeing the emergency as it was portrayed um, to be. That's not to say some people did not have legitimate emergencies, and some people did legitimately die um, from it. So it's not to make light of any of that. But I think even many experts are saying the lockdowns hurt more than it helped anything. But you know, that's what I was trying to say is there sometimes people, they want to go to church just because they want to rebel. But there are some that they kept going to church because that's who they were as a Christian. You know, sometimes, you know, people not in church will have the mindset, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. That's true, but you need to go to church to be an obedient Christian. To be a Christian that's following the Lord. It's God's word that says we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It's the manner of summons. But that as we see the day of Christ approaching, we shall want to be in church even more. Not in church less. We see Jesus often went to a mountain or the wilderness. Matthew 14, 23, it says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Luke 6, 12, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Luke 5, 16, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Wilderness, mountain, whatever may be your thing, going by a river, a creek, going somewhere, spend time alone in prayer. But when I go backpacking or do a long day hike, enjoy getting out there, either with my family or when I went alone and did a sunrise hike um, at the uh, Mount Fremont Lookout and got to five minutes just before sunrise. Man, couldn't time it perfectly, huh? Just that pacing and stuff. I got lucky I made it on time. But you know, it is a wonderful experience to spend time in solitude with the Lord. And many times it was in the mountain or in the wilderness for Jesus. Prayer is not about public religious duty, but something we do alone in communion with God, and not something we are to think of as wasting our time. You know, Matthew chapter 6, go ahead and turn there. Matthew 6, 5. And when thou prayest, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. 
Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which see him in secret shall reward thee open. See back then, they had to do that. They prayed for a show. He only did it to be seen of men. But there was no true personal prayer life with God. It was all a show. And I don't know where these people are today. Because today it's like, oh, please, hope the pastor doesn't call on me to pray. It's important, my dad. Like, we don't want, oftentimes, pray out loud, or um, we see in public, and public prayer is not wrong. We see in the church, um, in, in Acts, um, we see that the church came together in one accord and prayed. And so Jesus was not condemning public prayer, but he was condemning the public prayer that was to be seen of men, to look religious, and then there was no ever any hidden prayer in the closet. Praying unto the Lord. There wasn't a real relationship. Those who walk with God are those who pray in secret and don't feel like they're wasting their time. I don't mean people who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer, nor yet those who can explain the mystery of prayer being answered, nor those who might say a prayer when called upon, but I mean those who really take the time to pray in secret. It really shows the Lord that you don't believe is a waste of time, but truly believe in prayer. I mean, we have all these trials. And I tell you, it works. You know, there's times when I have a heavy burden on my heart. You go away, spend some time in solitude and prayer, and you give it over to the Lord. See, God, I'm doing the best I can. It's heavy. It's a burden. I can't sustain it on my own. But Lord, I pray, could you help? Could you intervene? Could your spirit work on it? But it's involving someone else. God, could you please work on their heart? And then you can walk away feeling like the load is lifted. The burden might still be there. But it says that the Lord is carrying it for you. You may still see it, but it takes a weight off. It's crucial to have a special place to meet the Lord, to make it through the storms of life. Think of something of God, Elijah being one of them. There was ever a man who knew the hand of God's power on his life, on his ministry. It was Elijah. And if there was ever a time in which he saw God's power mightily displayed, it was when he called down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel. Yet if there was ever a time when Elijah hit rock bottom, it was at the foot of Carmel, just after the greatest victory of his life. You know, the people would mock Elijah. And then Elijah returned to favor. And Elijah said, you know what, if your gods be God, if they be real, cry upon them. And they would cry upon their false gods, 
they would make cuttings in their flesh, um, and they would scream out loud, and Elijah goes, be a little louder. Maybe he's in the distance. Maybe he's in the journey. Maybe he's sleeping. Yell louder. And they did so, and they were self-mutilating themselves in the process. And then Elijah says, you know, you dump water, lots of gallons of water all over, over this altar. And they did so, and he calls down, and fire comes down and burns this sacrifice what a great victory he saw. And, 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 and then the prophets of Baal end up perishing. Go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. But man, what a mighty thing for Elijah to witness, to know that God truly was with him, that Elijah had a walk with God, that we don't even sense any doubt here. There's nothing wrong with you know, sometimes doubt may creep in our life. We see doubt creep in John the Baptist's life. He preached that Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah. That he was the Lamb to take away the sins of the world. But then when he got locked up in prison, John sent some of his disciples to go ask of Jesus, Are you really are you really the Christ? Or do we look for another? John already preached that we still have God. We had a period of doubt. And Jesus sent him back and tell him that the blind see again, the deaf hear again, and the dumb are able to speak. That he, he's preaching to the poor. That the lives are being transformed. But as far as I could tell, it doesn't look like Elijah had any doubt in this time. At least not yet. He saw God work. He had the faith that God was going to bring fire down and burn up the wet, wet, wet wood. And that happened. What a great victory. We've seen God work with him. Like chapter 1 Kings 19, verse 1. Says that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he rose and went for his life. And came to Beersheba which belonged unto Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came down, sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough, now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my fathers. You know, we live in a culture that demands a level of speed, urgency. Pressure, which is difficult to sustain indefinitely. We get overwhelmed when our life is not going as we have hoped. Combine that with the spiritual warfare in which every committed Christian is engaged in, and you have a drain on your resources that requires purpose replenishment. When we find Elijah under the wilderness in the June, under the juniper tree, who is so depleted that he was beside himself. 
He didn't know how to replenish. He didn't even see it as a possibility. You see, he's struggling now. He saw the hand of God. He saw the miracles. But now he's exhausted. And he's like, Lord, just take my life. I don't want to be here anymore. Not any better than my father's. You know what? I can't take more than they could take. And he's feeling depleted. Read on. In verse 5. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals, and a cruise of water in his head, and he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time, and touched him, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose, and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights, unto Horeb the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave, and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? You see, God's gracious provision for Elijah reveals three ways that even you and I can likewise find the replenishment we need when we're busy serving the Lord and getting overwhelmed, serving the Lord, serving others. Find solitude. Find a time, a place for solitude. It says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Travel the day out into the wilderness to find solitude and to get rest. God wants us to get rest. And in verse 5, 6, and he lay, as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, and it says, and laid him down again. We need to give rest. We need to take time where we pull back and rest and receive nourishment. Have proper nutrition. Have, have food. Sometimes people that are overwhelmed, stressed, or discouraged, they stop eating well. And it just makes things worse. We must stay properly nourished. And so eat healthy meals. And it's what we see that God provides here with Elijah. And then Elijah was able to snap out of it. To not be so suicidal in his mindset anymore. But even with a big journey, a 40-day journey ahead, that he was able to receive the nourishment for it. And so find a quiet, a peaceful place, and let it become your special place of solitude prayer. We all need it. And that could be a special room in your house. It could be going away from your home and going and finding a secret place. We must get away from people at times. We must also get away from entertainment. We must get away from responsibilities. Parents, children, students, teachers, employees, or executives, we all have things to do. At times, our responsibilities are burdens that weigh, are our burdens that weigh us down. At other times, they provide satisfying, satisfying projects that we look forward to. 
Either way, when we choose to be alone, we need to set those things aside. It can wait. If we allow them to preoccupy us, then we are pulled away from being alone with God. They become ghosts and noisy companions that distract us from the rest and refreshment of solitude. Find that the way to put them down for a while is not to necessarily deny or suppress them, but to give them over to the Lord and trust Him in faith that God is carrying them. We need times of solitude because we need God. Sir Isaac Newton said that he could take his telescope and look millions and millions of miles into space. And then he added, But when I lay it aside, go into my room, shut the door, and get down on my knees in earnest prayer, I see more of heaven and feel closer to the Lord than if I were assisted by all the telescopes on earth. We need the mirror of a quiet time to show us that God is really present in our life. As a Christian, I believe that He is. But my experience of spiritual reality tends to vary. I think it would befall us. We need times of solitude because we need to examine our own walk with the Lord. Ask the Lord to reveal ourselves to us, to reveal sin or improper motives. What needs, desires, and fears direct me? Is God really at work within me? Is God really on board with the decisions that we are making in life? Or is it our own self? Solitude is being alone with God for personal growth and accomplishment. Again, we sometimes say, when we're doing tasks, that's accomplishment. And it may be accomplishment. But being in prayer is accomplishment as well. Solitude is being alone for personal renewal and refreshment. You have a family of children. Allow your wife time to get away from the children. Now, if you're like my family, you're supposed to be guys. The children are all grown up. Are you? The children are gone then. But you know, there's times where I'd be like, hey, we're going to sit. This is a day for mom to get alone. And so I tell her, hey, I need tomorrow or next week. You have the day off. You go, you go do whatever you want. Me and the kids are going to go do something. Whether it be going for a hike or fishing, which we haven't gone fishing in a long time. But um, when, when I tell her, hey, we're going to go and do these things, all of a sudden, she doesn't want the alone time. She, like, she's been crying for it, so to speak. And then when we go, hey, can you have a long time? We're going to go. She wants to be there. So, you know, I found the key, the secret is not to say you've got any plans of where you're going to go, but have plans for her to go somewhere. Could be staying in a hotel. Could be going somewhere. Could be just for today. Could be for tonight. Because otherwise, she might be in fear of missing out. So, like, she doesn't want me to tell anything else. But you stay home and let your wife go. I sent her out of the country. <laughs> When constructing a sound studio for a radio station, they take careful measures to soundproof the rooms so that no noise from the city streets could mar the broadcast and recordings that would emanate from the, that place. And we must learn to soundproof our heart 
against the intruding noises of the public world in order to hear what God has to say at times. Now the multitudes press upon Jesus. And Jesus didn't stay in solitude forever. Okay? He didn't, his solitudeness was not about climbing up and hiding from people forever. It was to get refueled, to get renewed, and to get back in and busy. We see he came to preach to other cities well in Mark. That after he spent time prayer, they went to other cities to preach. Seclusion was not used as a luxury by him, nor did he plead his devotions as an excuse for escaping public duties. He was ready to preach or to pray according to the demand of the hour. And such readiness for service should all of us try to excel. The one verse where the Bible says Jesus came apart to pray, to um, get some solitude, shortly thereafter, it was interrupted with more busyness. And Jesus did not just discount it and say, no, leave me alone. He went and tended to the need. Be understanding too of it. You know, when I, especially, sometimes stop conversations, maybe in church, you know, those who have been there for a while, um, and now you're talking with me, and I see someone out of the corner of my eye, a visitor, a guest, that who knows why they're here. Maybe they're going through a messy divorce. Maybe, um, maybe they're looking for Christ. Uh, maybe uh, what the Bible says, naturally, you know, man doesn't seek after, but that God's Spirit. God does use His Spirit for us to reach after Him um, and His Spirit works, but there could be a need. And so sometimes I'll quickly dismiss myself and go talk with the visitor. It's not meant to be rude, to cut you off. Um, it's just I know okay, you're here, um, you know, and you have access to me at all times pretty much. You call me anytime. But I may not be able to see that guest again. And so sometimes that's why I'll go out, chase after people. Because, okay? you know, sometimes they come, they're new, they don't know anybody, and maybe they're just not comfortable sharing a whole bunch of stuff either. Sometimes you just want to come, but trying to get to know people. So please be understanding. I think most of the time people are, um, um, there's work to be done. You know, as Jesus said, oh, you know, we preach here, but we need to go to other cities and preach as well. And sometimes we need to go to other people. There's work to be done, but let's band together for the furtherance of the gospel. William Gurno, a Puritan preacher, <clears throat> said this, When people do not mind what God speaks to them in his word, God doth as little mind what they say to him in you know, we don't like it, God, your word tells me this, I'm going to follow, I'm going to obey it. You know, reach out to God in your prayer. Even in your doubts, even in your questions, reach out to God in prayer. But the Bible does say this, and we'll close with this. Proverbs 28.9 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abominable. And we turn our ear away from the Word of God. We're not in God's Word. We're not reading it. We're not listening to God's Word being preached. Then our prayer becomes an abomination to the Lord. 
that if we're not willing to hear what God has to say to us, our prayer ends up being an abomination to Him. And so make sure you are in His Word. And when you go in solitude, that it's not only always just to pray, but that you find time of solitude to be in the Word of God. That God may speak to you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for being able to pastor in this congregation. Sometimes the burdens maybe feel heavy in church, at home, in the community. Sometimes feel like we just can't get caught up in things. You know, it would be things, projects at the church, whatever it may be. But yet there's times where I and those working, those involved and serving in the church, need to take time away, need to take a break, not a break away from assembling together as a church, but sometimes a break from our busy schedule to spend time with you, maybe to spend time with our spouse, to spend time with our children, and having a time of solitude with the Lord in this event. Lord, just pray, Lord, that this will be a reminder to everyone, Lord, so they can be refilled, they could be renewed to replenish themselves and not to see themselves burn out. Lord, he's asking, Lord, again, that you bless um, my wife and the missionary that's over there and the church that's over there ministering. Pray, Lord, that everything works out as well, that Corey Mears will be able to be with us in a couple of weeks and um, be a blessing um, in talking about missions. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you bless this week. Be with the message on Wednesday as we go into our next um, Bible study on avoiding confusion. And we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, baby.